0: Rehearsing for the birthday party and being part of the club sandwich generation can really bite. Welcome to The Grand Life. I'm Emily Morgan.
1: And I'm Mike Morgan.
0: And in this week's episode, we are talking about birthdays. Is it
1: your birthday this week?
0: It is not. We just had our anniversary. My birthday's over. Your birthday's over. We've got a long time. Darn it. In this segment that we're going to call... This week in grandparenting, for us, we spent one of our days this week at a birthday party for one of our grandchildren. But our big segment this week is going to be talking about being caught in the middle um, of the club sandwich generation. So we're in the middle of that club sandwich, whatever we are—the meat in the middle.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm ham. I don't think you're I don't think you're ham,
0: but you're also not turkey. Yeah, that's thank you. I'm glad I'm not turkey. This week in Grandparenting, it's
1: our new segment.
0: We are going to talk about, first of all, what we remember about our own birthday parties. This is all wrapped around the idea that we went to one of our grandchildren's birthday parties this week. But first, let's talk about your memories. So, Mike, what what do you remember about birthday parties when you were growing up, your own and ones that you attended?
1: There was a small number for me of birthday parties that were really big. I remember especially the one where I turned six. And there are scratchy, grainy, Super 8 home movies of this particular event. And so the fact that I was kind of a jerk with one of my toys, a puppet of the Muppet <laughs> figure Ralph.
0: Wait a minute. How were you a jerk?
1: You know, like like biting people's noses with the mouth of the puppet.
0: <laughs> it's so awkward when you're six. It's so funny because we haven't talked about this. But my most memorable birthday was when I was six. And it was when my mom created this teddy bear picnic theme, which I think was kind of unique at the time because I don't think birthday parties were themed back then. I really, I was surprised when I think back on it that she did this kind of elaborate teddy bear's picnic theme.
1: Do you remember the teddy bear's picnic song being played for the I I totally do. Do you? uh,
0: Yes. We had that theme song going, which which is actually a little creepy (laughs) sounding. Yeah. Um, I do remember that it was the first time I'd been to a birthday where there were helium balloons. I was so excited. And my mom tied them very carefully on the railing of our tri-level house. So when you came up the steps to go into the kitchen living room area where the party was going to be, they were all lined up there. And there were only a few that were pink. There were several that were other colors and i just remember being so enthused about these helium balloons and i had picked a pink one out for myself so i i really wanted one of the pink ones and i was focused on that so much that like i thought about it through the whole party it's not like i didn't enjoy the party but
1: but you were obsessing I was a little really bit.
0: obsessed about this pink balloon <laughs> What happened was, talk about being a jerk, all as my friends were leaving and my mom was asking people to pick out their helium balloon and one they wanted to take home, I noticed that the pinks were being quickly taken away. And by the time Marianne, one of my neighbors, went down to go out the door, she picked the last pink balloon. It was was devastating. And I really lost it. And I was like... I want that balloon. That's my balloon. It's my birthday. And I just remember being so embarrassed because my mom shut me down and she made me be okay with the fact that Marianne was taking a pink balloon and I was left with who knows what other color because it didn't matter to me. It was really all about the pink balloon. I thought about that situation and fast forward now to our grandson's birthday party that happened this week. And I was so proud of the way he handled—I mean, he was only turning four, but I was so proud of the way he handled all of the vast situations that happen in a birthday party setting where, you know, you might not get exactly what you want or you've got so many presents to open that you're just like flying through them. He took time to, you know, thank people. He was very aware of people and the surroundings as as there were little kids and other kids kind of like— Crowding around him. Now that, that's
1: not normal for a four-year-old.
0: That's not. But what I found out, and, and again, I'm proud of our grandson. But I'm also really proud of our adult children who planned this party. They did a really good job planning it. But they also told me later, when I mentioned that to them, that that our grandson acted so wonderfully. Um, my daughter said, well, you know, we prepared him. We we sat down with him and we practiced how he would manage in the situation what he could expect. And, you know, even with the unexpected, practiced. they like practiced. Pra- like,
1: like rehearsing responses.
0: Yeah. Like how are they going to – what if you get a present you don't like? What do you say? I mean, what do you think of that?
1: I'm torn here. I'm thinking – how have we gotten to a place where birthdays require you rehearsing your children because there's such a such a level of expectation? I mean, it's it's clever, but how did we get to the point where birthdays are such a BFD?
0: <laughs> well, they are. And, and you know, it, it's funny that you should ask about that because yes. I, there was an article that came out in the Atlantic Monthly in November of 2021, and we'll provide a link for this, written by a guy named Joe Pinsker. And it was called The Strange Origins of American Birthday Celebrations. And so I was curious about it because I was like, Well what where did this all start? This whole thing where birthdays have become what they have become, which is
1: high stakes.
0: Whoa, so different than Teddy Bear's. Elaborate, picnic costly. Very big. Very big. But how did that all start? Procedural. So, exactly. So in America, apparently, it is really tied to the industrial revolution and the the Wait, Um,
1: the Industrial Revolution? Yeah. The thing that you studied in school so carefully? I know, my master's
0: program, I just loved. But anyway, kids' birthdays, I guess, you know, before that, things like George Washington's birthday, there were certainly birthdays that happened that were celebrated from Egypt, Rome, all those places. But kids' birthday parties— Public figures. Public figures didn't happen. Kids' birthday parties didn't happen until there was a switch from thinking of— children as economic assets, like as workers, and then more valuable emotionally, like as family members, which I thought was fascinating that, you know, children were kind of considered workhorses, and then all of a sudden they became more valuable as just members of a family.
1: Okay. Yeah. So with uh, with the focus on the injustices of child labor- Mm Mm-hmm. And the switch to industrialization, freeing up child laborers, right. their value f- switched from economic to emotional.
0: Right. And then the other thing, which is, I found fascinating, was during the Industrial Revolution, clocks became more prevalent. Like for before that, people didn't have watches and clocks. They didn't go by train schedules. They didn't... Think about time in the way that we think about time.
1: It wasn't accessible, so it didn't so much matter.
0: Exactly. So now as you have birthdays, you know, we count the years, we count the days to the next birthday. And so according to this article, those were the things that kind of pushed birthdays into the forefront which I think is really interesting. And, you know, who knows where it's going to go from here. I mean, birthday parties can be crazy with plant walls where you have a whole wall with plants that people have that the the kids stand in front of and they get their pictures taken. They're celebrities. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: I think what you just said is that is that the family rents a plant wall yeah, to serve yeah. as a temporary background exactly. for photos. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those things are expensive. I've seen Heck pictures yeah. on Facebook and all that. I mean, how far can you go? You're bringing in celebrities. You're bringing in princesses. You're doing, I mean, who knows what. And, you know, I have to uh, admit that as birthdays happen in our family – They became bigger deals than I ever experienced. So like. So we're
1: guilty of this. We're a little
0: guilty of falling into that. And it's getting more and more like that. So it's kind of interesting. We used to do, just so everybody knows, one of our traditions with our children, we could not afford to have a birthday, a big birthday party every year. I mean, we have four children. So a birthday every year, it was, (laughs) it would just be crazy. And I wanted, you know, I wanted to do birthdays that were kind of theme based and it and kind of special. So we did one every four years. So we did a fourth birthday, an eighth birthday, a 12th birthday, and a 16th birthday.
1: And we did do uh, some elaborate things. We invented games. We redecorated whole rooms of the house. Yeah. But <laughs> but we didn't spend a lot of money. I mean, part, yeah. part of the costumes were the free uh, paper and cardboard hats that you used to be able to get at the local Steak, Steak and, and Shake, shake. restaurant. <laughs> so, I mean... We didn't spend a lot of money.
0: We didn't. But anyway, birthdays have become a big thing. But I I just wanted to kind of put a shout out about how proud I was of both our grandson and our adult children and how they handled that birthday and how fun it was for everybody because he wasn't having a meltdown. We tried to prevent that. And oh, one other thing that I don't know how you feel about this as grandparents, but um, I did go ahead and buy a present for the younger two-year-old so that... The younger two-year-old, which would have been the most difficult during this unwrapping of presents, um, he was very preoccupied with the present we had bought him. So he came over to me, sat on the couch, and played with this present um, the whole time that all of the other presents were being unwrapped. And if I recall, we have done that with other grandchildren when we've been to parties where the children, the grandchildren are a lot younger and, you know, a couple years younger, whatever.
1: The way I remember this is that we've done that so that the child who wasn't having the birthday didn't feel left out. Right. But the revelation to me this time was that child opens the gift first.
0: Oh, mm-hmm.
1: that's a big deal.
0: Yeah. Right. And it was a perfect gift for him. It was one of these like, uh, busy boxes all on a piece of wood block that had all sorts of levers and
1: latches latches knobs. and keys
0: and he just he just went to town on that and spent the whole time and it fit his personality which again yeah. when you're being an intentional grandparent you're trying really hard to know your grandchildren and know what works for them so that was a that was a perfect thing for him and just a just a hint on that for traditions and what you're going to do with birthdays On to the next segment of our podcast this week, which is about club sandwich generation. And we tease this for you a little bit. Um,
1: We've talked about this before, and it's not a term that we made up. We're certainly borrowing it. But it is built off the idea of being sandwiched between uh, generations.
0: And really, we have to say among generations, because we're not just talking about two. Well, that's where the club thing comes in. Parents, and then us, then adult kids, and then grandkids. So however you want to fit that in, if you're the lettuce, you're the tomato, you're the meat, you're the bread, whatever you are, but you're in the middle of it all. And it is proving for us to be very, very challenging.
1: It's becoming more so as this uh, club sandwich thing evolves. Uh, Most everybody knows that your father passed away earlier this year. Right. And um, so we find things getting more intricate.
0: It has gotten very different. It's a different, feels completely different. And, and now I'm having to look at what we may be trying to demand of my mom, which is probably unreasonable. It's, it's so interesting to me because when we were young, we moved away from our parents, as many people do now. It's like, that's a common thing that children grow up, they move away, and they have their grandchildren far away from their parents, right? So, we made that choice. We decided not to be in close proximity to our parents, okay? So, in some ways I bear a little guilt over that in some ways. It's like, well, I took them away. So, it would be is it too much now to ask my mother to come to me? Like she's all by herself. She's in a big house. And I'm saying to her, mom, could you move to be close to us? Because for us to move to you means we leave grandchildren who have chosen to still stay here, who adult children and grandchildren who have chosen to stay where we are. So that's the conundrum. I don't know that we've really addressed that part on the podcast. We've talked about Grandparents moving to be with their grandchildren. But have we talked about requiring or asking our parents to move close to us? I understand it's probably too much to ask my 90-year-old mother to move herself to the Midwest. But I also feel very torn about moving myself to the Northeast so that I can be there for her. And yet I I just don't know what to do because I do feel very, I have a very strong sense of loyalty. And I mean, let's face it, I have a little bit of guilt about leaving her up there by herself. She's all by herself in a big house. Um, I don't know. It's, It's a really tough thing. We've talked to our children about it while we were up in the Northeast for our vacation. We talked to them about, you know, what do you think of this? And they were all like, mom, dad, if you need to go move up to be with, you know, with our grandmother, you can do that. And I understand that we have the freedom.
1: That's the point right there. You have the freedom because you have the choice right now. Circumstances are not forcing us to make this decision, but we are choosing to want to make it before we are forced into one option or another. If we were being forced to because of her medical condition or her need for uh, you know, care that we wanted to give, maybe it wouldn't be so wrenching because it would be a more obvious choice.
0: Yeah, and it's so interesting because I get so many conflicting messages from people around us. Like my friends are saying, no, you don't need to do that. You don't need to move all the way up there and leave your grandchildren and and all that, and then others who are saying, Yes, you should sell your house and move up there. You should be there. That's your mother. You should be there for her. And I'm just I am just, you know, we're just really stuck. We're kind of like, what what is it that we do? One of the reasons we are the best candidates for moving up to be with my mom is because we you have a job where you can work out of your home. With my two sisters, one of them has a husband who has to work from uh, location so there's no chance that he can leave where they live and the other one they just made a huge life change they sold their house they bought a huge what is it a...
1: they, they they're full-time rving now
0: yeah and and they're feeling they were wanting the freedom to go do some of these things that they had planned to do that... and for them
1: part of it is is while they still can
0: I know we're not the only ones in this situation. I would love to hear from listeners about their situations, um, because I know that this is something that's happening all across the country. I mean, this is not new to us, but many, many people are removed from where their parents are and from where they are. They're in a different place. I mean, is ours unique because maybe we have to leave five grandchildren, and that's tearing me up to think about leaving five grandchildren whom I see on a regular basis, um, who's my adult children calling me all the time and saying, you want to join me for coffee, or you want to come by, I'm going to go to Costco, you want to take a run with me? And so I get to see these grandchildren on a day-to-day basis and enjoy them.
1: You enjoy them spontaneously.
0: Spontaneously, yes. We have five grandchildren who we have... Scattered around, and we have we get to visit with maybe three, four times a year at the most. Um, And those are wonderful relationships, but they're different, as you know. They're different. So, long distance grandparenting is completely different than you know, having them come to your house for sleepovers or whatever. So,
1: you've done episodes, you know, lauding the merits of both long distance and spontaneously local grandparenting. yeah. Yeah, and it's not like one is better than the other. And you know, we don't mean to suggest. That um, there's like some higher moral value in being close enough to your grandchildren uh, in order to enjoy these spontaneous things. It's just that we're there right now. Yeah. And we'd be willingly giving that up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I feel so much like I couldn't live with myself if I left my mom up in the Northeast all by herself. I just – it just – tears at me to think, I mean, this is a woman who who created a teddy bear's picnic for me. I mean, this is a woman who loved me and and cared for me all my life. And I, I just can't see leaving her alone, you know? Yeah. And it's not so much that she can't do her day-to-day stuff. She seems very independent and very happy to do her day-to-day. But if she needed me for something, it would be 18 hours to get to her.
1: Militaries. Will put their assets in position before they're needed. You know, yes, not necessarily the day the uh, the other guy attacks.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, and some therapists would say, you know, I need to work through my issues of what guilt and codependence or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, the ther- I, the therapist I might say, wait for that. you got to fix that first, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's the point. You know, how long how might, long might that take? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Life is short. And because we have clocks now, I know life is short, and I know it's ticking, and I know that I might not have much time left. Restarting the podcast has been fun because we have gotten more feedback, and we know that we are sharing things that other people can relate to. I, I just wanted to share with you uh, we we had one listener who wrote to us from California, uh, a woman who said, "I love your podcast, you know, loves whatever iteration it's going to be. They're very happy about it. And uh, they felt like the episode was spot on. Um, and they had similar experiences with their growing and changing families in vacation mode. So that was kind of interesting. She also mentioned that they're dealing with aging parents and dealing with all of the things that come with that. So this is what I love to hear. I love to hear that people are listening and relating to it. And uh, I hope you're enjoying it.
1: If you do want to reach out to us, a couple of ways are to leave voicemail at 317-572-7876 or to email grandlifeconnection at gmail.com.
0: I'm Emily Morgan. And
1: I'm Mike Morgan.
0: And thanks so much for joining us in Living the Grand Life.
1: Next time on The Grand Life.
0: Every time we call the grandkids on their birthday date. I just get the biggest kick out of how they relate to us and how they apparently really look forward to hearing from us.
1: And most of them, most of the time, look forward to having you and me sing in parts, happy birthday date to you. Happy birthday
0: date to you. you.
1: (laughs) That's next time on The Grand Life.